This is AMA Fantasy Football, the only fantasy football podcast dedicated solely to you, the fans. Email us your questions at amafantasyfootball at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at amafantasy, and we guarantee your questions will be answered. Now, here is your host, Ellie Berkovitz. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the very first episode of AMA Fantasy Football. I am your host, Eli Berkovitz. You can find me on Twitter at bookofeli underscore NFL. I decided to create AMA Fantasy Football because I noticed that for as many fantasy football podcasts there are out there, there aren't any dedicated solely to the fans. Each week, I will answer any and all questions regarding fantasy football and for the time being, the NFL Draft as well. Whether it's on Twitter, Facebook, or through email, or even here on the show, your questions will be answered. You can even send in a personal voice note, and each week, I will play a handful of them live on air. All you have to do is download the Anchor app and subscribe at AMA Fantasy Football to submit your voice notes. To everyone out there listening right now, the number one thing I want you to take away from this introduction to AMA Fantasy Football is that we will always be there to answer your questions, no matter the day or time. You need a good draft strategy? Ask us. You need help with waivers? Ask us. It's Sunday morning and you're freaking out about who to start? Ask us. Whatever your question is, we're here to answer it and help you win your league. Now, let's get to the show. Here on AMA Fantasy Football, we don't like to waste time, so let's get straight to it. I am honored and excited to welcome onto the show former NFL defensive back and Arena Bowl champion Eric Crocker. How you doing, Eric? Oh man, I'm doing good, man. How are you doing this morning? I am doing great. I'm doing good. You know, this this uh, quarantine has everyone kind of freaking out a little bit, but I think as long as everyone stays indoors and does what they're supposed to do, we can hopefully get past this as soon as possible. Yeah, I think the hardest thing, well, it's been a good thing, man. I, I've had a lot of time to be able to kind of bust down these these prospects and really look into them, you know, as far as getting ready for the draft and everything. And, and somebody who, like me, I'm a 49er fan. Mm-hmm. And typically our season's over, you know, by, you know, <laughs> yeah. beginning of January. So exactly. I, I'm able to get into all the prospects like right then and there. Well, this year, obviously, you know, my 49ers made it to the Super Bowl. Yeah. So I, and then I couldn't watch football for a few weeks after the Super Bowl. So I didn't really start really diving into guys until maybe like mid, mid-February. So wow. um, there's still definitely guys to watch, but I've gotten through a lot. And I think these quarantine times, man, it's kind of helped. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt. I, I There's never been a time where I've been just had the opportunity to watch as much film as I am now going through college guys, preparing for the 2020 season in terms of fantasy. I mean, look, obviously, we would all like to be living life normally, but there are ways to look at it positively, and I love that that's how you're looking at it, Eric. This is a time that, you know, so many people push off this and procrastinate on that. Anything that you ever really wanted to do, right now is your time to do it, and I think, you know, while you're stuck in your house, you should take advantage of that time and not look at it necessarily as just a waste of time, you know? Yep, yep. Yeah, so that's how I feel, but that's awesome, and I'm so happy you're here on the show to talk the NFL Draft and some fantasy football. So we've got a bunch of questions from fans, but just to you know, introduce you more to the, to the listeners and get to a little bit know more about you, I'm just going to ask you some easy ones to start out. How does that sound? Oh, man, sounds good. <laughs> All right, Eric. So uh, where did you grow up? 
uh, Stockton, California. I, I actually live here now. Um, yeah, I'm from Stockton. It's like uh, 30, about 30 minutes south of Sacramento. Oh, okay, nice. Um, maybe 40 minutes uh, what, east of the Bay Area. So, yeah, I'm in that, that, that area. Nice. So that's okay. So that's where the Niners comes from. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I'm guess. And when I was growing up, they did training camp here in Stockton at, at UOP. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I used to ride the bus to UOP and watch, you know, Steve Young and Jerry wow. Rice and all those guys practice. That is so, awesome. Uh, yeah, that was that was pretty dope, you know, growing up. And I really ended up being a Niner fan because my dad, he's a Redskins fan. My big brother, he's a Cowboy fan. My, mm-hmm. my, my uncle, who, you know, I look up to a lot, uh, he's a Cowboy fan. But I was a mama's boy, and my mom, <laughs> I remember asking my mom when I was like four or five years old, like, Mom, what's your favorite football team? And she was like, 49ers, and I was like, okay, I'm going to be a 49er fan. <laughs> yeah. and, and that was kind of how, how that kind of came about. That's pretty great. So it's funny. I mean, I have a similar story. I live in Chicago, but I'm actually a Packers fan, and wow. similar. That's kind of... Yeah, it's difficult at times, that's for sure. Um, (laughs) But my dad's out from, he was, you know, he grew up in Wisconsin, so kind of similar, more of, you know, in the family, stuck with the Packers. Obviously, I'm happy, I guess, over the last 20 years to be a Packer fan over a Bears fan. (laughs) But, but, uh, yeah, there are challenges when you're a Packers fan living in Chicago, but that's cool. I'm happy to hear that you also have a, you know, a family story behind who you follow and um, I guess moving on to our next one, staying in football, play as yourself as a player. What was your greatest memory playing football? Your greatest moment, greatest memory. What do you always look back on? Um, there, there are really two, and they kind of just they both kind of go hand in hand. I guess for me, uh, uh, one the, or there's they're, they're just a tie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the first one is uh, my first arena interception and my son uh happened to be there this was my rookie year mm-hmm. he was out visiting uh san antonio texas for my birthday and i got my first interception and i was able to hand him the ball wow so that's i think amazing. that was like uh, definitely a great moment for me and then the other um the other one the other memory for me uh definitely signed the nfl contract because i i went through a lot of you know different trials and tribulations and I mean like my, my, my story is really crazy um, with how I was able to kind of get there and uh, but you know just to go through all of that and then just having the opportunity to play in the NFL and, and sign a contract man like I cried like that was it that sure, was a, kind yeah. of a, a, an amazing moment there too so yeah those two things man those, those have to be the two yeah uh, I mean I could, I could only imagine you know the feeling of actually sitting there at that desk with the pen in your hand Signing mm-hmm. an NFL contract. I mean, there must be nothing like it. Oh, yeah, no, it was amazing. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned uh, that first interception in the AFL kind of leads into my next question. I mean, in the AFL, looking at your stats, I mean, it was incredible. In 2014, 11 interceptions in one season? I mean, that's I, that's that sounds unheard of. I know, I know the NFL and AFL, sometimes the stats don't correlate. But 11 interceptions, you must have been doing something really good in 2014. Any reason why you think maybe you went out and just had 11 interceptions? Was it more right place, right spot, the coaching, the defensive scheme? What do you think led to such a great season there in 2014? Um, yeah, I think I just started to kind of understand the game a little bit more. My rookie year, 2012... I was kind of just playing, and I was kind of really just going more off of, like, athleticism. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I had my hiatus or whatever when, you know, I went with the Jets in 2013. So 
when I when I got back in 2014, man, like I, I just kind of understood the game a little bit more and it slowed down for me. Mm-hmm. And I yeah, I was just kind of able to play a little bit more freely and and, and I just made a bunch of plays. And <laughs> I mean the the interceptions they were just coming in bunches. It seemed mm-hmm. like every week I was getting intercepted. I ended up being like second in the league, I think. In yeah, picks. I mean so there I was a guy that had more than me, but um, you know it's a it's a passing game. I mean all they do is pass. So you're going to have opportunities. So if you just kind of understand the game and, and like the angles of it and kind of how to use your help, you you know, you can end up making a lot of plays. And, and that's what I did 2014. Yeah, you, you definitely did. I just thought that was very interesting just to see. And then, of course, the following year you won the Arena Bowl with the San Jose Sabercats. I mean, what was that like winning a championship, getting to hold that trophy? I mean, it must have been like nothing else you've experienced. It it was tough, man. Well, a couple of things I took away from that season, I kind of learned like what it took to be a champion because that was the first time in my life I had ever been a part of a team that won a championship. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that part just like, you know, and I, all coaches are different. You know, Rex Ryan was different than Coach Arbet, you know, I'm who sure. was the Sabercats coach. Yeah. Um, and you just see kind of how they go about their business like different. So I, I don't think there's one way to skin a cap, but I did learn just kind of the preparation that it took, the sacrifice that it took. And kind of how the coach kind of made us feel like I felt like every day I could get cut, you know. And I was a guy <laughs> yeah. that was, you know, very well taken care of coming off of my uh, 2014 season. And even then, like it was like, nah, you're you're never safe. Like I never <laughs> was able to get comfortable until we ho- hoisted the trophy. Now the tough thing was week 12 or mm-hmm. 13, I fractured my ankle, and that that wow. was the first time I had ever been injured in my life. I, that was the first time in my entire life I missed a game. So, uh, I, and obviously, I ended up missing the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was there, and I think the toughest part about it, like why I say it was tough, was because not only did we win the championship, uh, they actually had the, the, the arena bowl in Stockton, in my hometown. Oh, wow. And, um, and you the were reason injured. why, like, I guess every year they do this, like, circus thing in, in, in San Jose, mm-hmm. and it never, it never conflicted with schedules ever before. But for whatever reason, on uh, during this particular time, <laughs> it conflicted, and the Arena Bowl ended up being moved to Stockton, California. Um, wow. It was on ESPN and everything, and uh, now nah, that was tough because you know I just had to watch, and like, yeah. I knew a lot of my friends and family were going to be there. Like you know, yeah, that, that, that was the toughest part. But you know, obviously, I was happy. Like, well, look, I mean, even being a part of the team, obviously, I mean, I believe you guys finished the regular season seventeen and one. Obviously, you played a huge part in that. Of course, it's it's tough watching, you know, that final that final game from the sidelines. I mean, even myself, I'm talking about high school basketball. You know, one time I got hurt and I, you know, the rest of my team was saying, you really shouldn't play, you really shouldn't play. And I sat there for the first quarter and it was just like, I, can't, I cannot watch my team go out there without me, you know. So I just kind of said, screw it, I'm coming in. And I came in in the second half. Probably shouldn't have, honestly. Didn't help my injury, but I fully understand that feeling of the competitive nature and always wanting to be out there with your guys. But obviously, you still had a huge impact on that team and just getting in the position that they were to go and win that AFL title. So that's awesome for you. But moving on, now we get get to the tough ones, Eric. Now we got the, the questions from the fans. We got these questions coming in from email, Twitter. We even have a personal voice note, which I'll be playing in a little bit. So we have some really great fantasy football and NFL draft questions. So let's just get right to it. Let's do it. All right, number one. We got this one uh, via email from uh, Izzy. Will Big Ben Roethlisberger's return to Pittsburgh in 2020 
make Juju a top 20 pick once again? Oh, you know, I'd say, yeah. I mean, you know, when I think, you know, obviously there are other factors, right? I mean, Juju having his big, his big years, his best years was, you know, playing alongside Antonio uh, Brown, who was able to kind of, you know, take a lot of the pressure off of him. And then now it's like, well, Juju, now you have to be the man. And we saw last year, you know, he dealt with injuries and it was a little up and down, uh, but I do like the young guys. I think ben, Big Ben will not only, you know, benefit Juju and make him a top, you know, 20 guy again, but, you know, I think the young guys too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, ben you got Washington out there. Getting them involved. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's it's going to help all those guys all the way around. I think you'll probably see more from Washington. I really like Deontay Johnson. Oh, yeah, um, I, I actually – I, I picked him up in one of my dynasty la- leagues last year as, like, one of my last picks, and I was obviously very happy with that. So I'm looking forward yeah. to that moving forward. And, yeah, I mean, Juju, for me, going into last year, he was – I mean, I think I had him ranked maybe fourth overall at receiver. I was very, very high on Juju. I thought the targets were going to be, you know, just insane from Ben, kind of like what he gave to Antonio Brown previously – and then, of course, the Roethlisberger injury. I mean, I had Juju. I had a lot of stock invested in Juju, and obviously it kind of hurt my team in 2019. But, look, that's not on Juju. He was playing with some but below-average QB play. So I'm, I'm with you that if Ben can play 16 games in 2019, Juju should be back in that solid, solid wide receiver two area, maybe even a low-end wide receiver one. Right. All right, so next question. We got this one on Twitter from at... Mo underscore Burko. In terms of fantasy, who stands to benefit the most from the Tom Brady signing? Mike Evans or Chris Godwin? Ooh, man. Um, <laughs> I think they're just, they're both so talented, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think there's a wrong answer there. I, 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 I would guess maybe whoever the better route runner is, and I don't have the answer to that. <laughs> whoever can really kind of jail understanding uh, timing, because right now everything has kind of been like, you know, downfield, vertical threat, you know, stretch the field. Yeah. And I think they're gonna, you know, be asked to do a little bit more from a timing perspective. You know, maybe bending routes and stuff like that. And whoever, you know, and I know this isn't really answering the question, but whoever is able to kind of catch on the quickest, you Good know, from that you. aspect, able to tailor their game more to what fits Tom Brady. I think that's the guy that's gonna do better. And off the top of my head, if I had to guess, and I'm as high on. Evans as anybody, I think he's a top five receiver in the league. Um, I think maybe Godwin might be a little better for him, yeah. but you know we'll, we'll see. See, I, I I thought the same exact thing. No knock on Mike Evans; he's he's absolutely incredible. But I think Chris Godwin will be a better fantasy receiver in twenty twenty because, like you said, Godwin he has he plays out of the slot a lot. He has experience there. And obviously Brady has always loved throwing to the slot. Year after year, his average yards per t- per attempt has dropped. Last year, it went all the way down to 6.5 yards per attempt. So looking at Godwin and Evans, last year, Godwin averaged about 10.5 yards per target, while, at, while Evans averaged nearly 16 yards per target, which if we're looking at Brady's play style, 16 yards per target is not something you necessarily see next to Brady's name very often. So... I am a bit higher on Godwin for 2020, but I think both have the opportunity to have a great season. All right, yep. All right, moving on to the next one. This one is on Twitter again from at UPJ33. Looking at the top of this year's draft... Ooh, we have a draft question. Okay. Looking at the top of this year's draft class, 
Who do you think has the most potential for a surprising fall? Let's see, let's see, let's see. I mean, obviously, is Le'Veon Bell like... uh, No, I'm I'm talking in terms of the NFL draft. Oh, okay. Yeah. is this a fancy question? Or not no, fancy no, question? no. So I, I opened up. I opened up because it's draft season. A couple, a couple uh, NFL draft questions we'll throw in here just because you know it's such a hot topic, and uh, I, we thought you know you could give us some good insight onto the NFL draft. So looking at you know maybe the top fifteen players in all the mocks, who do you see as someone who could potentially fall? So uh, I think one is Jeffrey Okuda. And I know everybody has him locked in as a top five pick. And Mm -hmm. I think he's tremendous. He has great tape. Uh, I I think the one thing typically that you would like to see from guys that are top ten picks is that they have elite, like, traits. And Mm -hmm. I think he definitely had elite cover skills. Sometimes it's kind of hard to know how that's going to translate to the NFL. And when you're a top five, top ten pick – um, they ask you to do certain things that maybe they wouldn't ask like somebody with more of a regular, you know, uh, uh, yeah, maybe a fourth round. Yeah. Do. Yeah. Um, like, you know, so I think I, and, and I think it's terrific and everybody has a mock top five. And I think maybe that's the way that the NFL looks at it as well. But just if there's any guy I think that could possibly fall down just a little bit, it's him just because, you know, he has very average speed mm-hmm. uh, for a cornerback. There's no really elite explosive traits there. And I think there might be somebody that might be worried about how his game is going to translate because you're, you're not covering big 10 receivers anymore right now. Yep. You know, we're talking about the Mike Evans who are super physical and also can run. Uh, where, where, you know, you're going to be asked to guard, especially if, you know, if you're in the NFC uh, North, you know, because you get mocked to the Lions a yeah. lot. You know, there are the, the Devontae Adams who – you know, I mean, dude is like, you know, he lines up everywhere. Yeah. He beats I mean, man. He plays much faster than what his 40 times says he runs. Um, and then even guys like, you know, Galladay who plays, you know, to stretch the field. And and then uh, you got you know, Allen Robinson. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of good yeah, feeling. Yeah, a lot of guys. So we're, we're going to see. I think playing the NFC North actually kind of helps him a little bit just because there aren't the super freaky athletic guys like the, the Tariq Hill exactly. and stuff like that. But I think, you know, just from an athletic profile uh, perspective, I think if anybody can kind of slide, it's either him or I think Tua. Well, I'm uh, not exactly. high on Tua, but I know a lot of people are. And, you know, maybe we'll see how the medical stuff checks out. But I think that's another guy, too, that is kind of projected to go in that top eight range. And, mm-hmm. you know, if he were to slide, I, I wouldn't be. I'd be more surprised by Akuda sliding in than uh, Tua. So that's, that's the thing. I, I wrote down here very similar to you. Obviously, when it comes to Tua, it's all about the health. You know, if there's any doubt about his health going into that draft, he's going to drop. You know, I just don't see a team spending a top five pick on a quarterback with questions about such a serious injury like he had. Obviously, it's very unfortunate, and I hope he recovers. And I love Tua watching him in college, the comeback he made in the national championship a couple years ago. It's an unbelievable story. But yeah, his health is the number one thing. And then. I do. I've actually seen over the last week or two. It seems like some people are on that Okuda fall train because we're not talking about falling, you know, to the second round. But I've seen him for the first month of you know the off season. It was Okuda's locked in at three to the Lions, you know, and now I'm seeing him in the ten to twelve range, maybe even as late as fifteen. So yeah, I I see Okuda as a potential as a potential slip, not too far, but yeah, outside of maybe the top five where a lot of people thought he could go. Yep. All right, so here we have a special voice note, actually. 
on Anchor Podcast. Fans can send in a voice message as a question. So here's one from uh, at Dylan B- Dylan Busby one on Twitter, and I'm going to play the voice note right here. So just give me a second. Hello, Eli. Hello, Ask Me Anything Fantasy Football World. This is your good buddy, Dylan. Uh, I just had a question for you guys. How do you think Carolina head coach Matt Rule is going to affect Christian McCaffrey's production this season? And do you think he will finish as the RB1 yet again? So what do you, what do you think, Eric, about, about Christian McCaffrey? I mean, his point was kind of coming off, you know, Matt Rule's running backs throughout college. You look at Temple and Baylor. They, the number one running back on those teams averaged about 25 receptions per season. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey is all about the passing game. So how do you think that's going to work with Rule and McCaffrey? Do you think McCaffrey takes a hit? Or will Rule just look at 2019's film and say, we got to get the ball to CMC at every possible opportunity? Yeah, you know, everything I hear about Matt Rule, um, actually one of my buddies that, you know, I see him every day. I saw him yesterday, too. He played running back for Matt Rule at Temple. Um, he says he's an extremely smart, bright guy. Uh, any smart, bright guy knows that, you know, you don't get stubborn with what you want to do. You have to tailor your offense around the players that you have. And when you have a player that's as talented as Christian McCaffrey and as multiple, use that to your advantage. Definitely. You know? And maybe he would have done that with other backs, but maybe they didn't have that type of skill set. Well, Christian McCaffrey does. So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, still, again, he should be, you know, the top running back uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, fantasy football. I, I think if he does take a hit, it's not going to be because of Matt Rule not being able to figure out ways to use him. I think it would be more so, you know, uh, maybe the quarterback situation or, you know, something like that. But even then, I mean, they got they got Robbie Anderson. They have receivers, you know, that are explosive to kind of open up things for them. Yeah. I, I can't see a, a scenario where maybe he doesn't have quite the season because he had an amazing season last year, but I think he has a really good season. I think, yeah, I don't think there's going to be a drop-off from what he's able to, you know, do. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. I mean, rule – Obviously, they must have really liked him considering the contract they gave him and coming right out of college. So clearly they're confident in him, which means they must like his plan, and that plan must base around McCaffrey. I mean, looking at last year's stats in half PPR, which for everyone listening, when I refer to stats, unless I specifically say otherwise, all my numbers will be coming off half PPR. But Christian McCaffrey could have scored literally 100 less points than he did last year and still be the highest-scoring running back by nearly 20 points. That's how much better he was than everyone else in fantasy football. So even if his numbers take a small drop, I don't think it's going to be nearly enough to say he's not worth the top pick. And having Teddy Bridgewater at the quarterback position definitely doesn't hurt because he is someone who is prone to checking the ball down to his running back. So I agree with you on that, that McCaffrey should be good going into 2020. Now, on to the next one, another one coming in through Twitter, this one from at Dave Stager 731. Do you think DeAndre Hopkins' fantasy points will decrease from past years because of the other Cardinals' wide receiving talent? No, I think because you, you still, any anybody that's, Again, you know, smart offensive coordinator, and, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, they're, they're Kingsbury, I think he's a bright guy. You, Taylor, your offense around your best player. 
And right now, that is their best player, right? He's, I mean, he's one of the top receivers in the league. Yep. Um, I, I really like the quarterback. I think that he he's going to just take another step forward. Um, I think the other receivers, whether it's Christian Kirk or, you know, even the aging Larry Fitzgerald, mm-hmm. I think they have to take a back seat to DeAndre Hopkins. And, Definitely. you know, you just kind of play everything <laughs> off of him. And they do a lot of good things, you know, get guys a ball in space, a lot of screens. I think especially in the PPR league, you might even see uh, Hopkins' numbers, uh, catches, go up. So, um, yeah, I, I still like him to be, you know, as productive as he's been. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a huge Hopkins fan. I have picked him in the first round of many drafts over the last year or two. I mean, you just can't deny his unbelievable talent. The only thing I guess that I would say concerns me isn't even necessarily the, the talent at receiver, but maybe more the scheme. Just because Kingsbury runs so many five wide receiver sets, more than anyone else in the league, so there could be, you know, more spreadage of the football. And then, of course, even though Kyler Murray had a great rookie year and we expect him to improve in 2020, anytime a receiver leaves a, a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, you have to at the very least be a little nervous saying, you know, how is his production going to match up next to what he did with Deshaun? But I still look at Hopkins just like you do as a surefire wide receiver one, bottom of the first round, top of the second round kind of pick. And I think that, you know, uh, Kyler Murray as a passer, mm-hmm. like just a pure passer, I think he's like better than uh, Deshaun uh, Watson at that. Yeah. So, oh, you know, I think Watson, I think a lot of times, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Hopkins was the focal point, but he kind of waited. And then, you know, obviously he was really good with the deep ball. And, you know, sometimes he'd force the ball to him in, you know, certain area. But I think just as a pure passer, I think Murray gives you actually a little bit more. So I think, you know, there's a chance that you can see his numbers even like kind of go up a little bit. Wow. That is, uh, I mean, it's not it's not like it's anything crazy because it's DeAndre Hopkins and he's incredible. But, you know, sometimes when a receiver, I think specifically receivers, when they change scenery, there could be some uh, adjustment period. But I like the confidence in Hopkins. I think he is going to be great in 2020. And then moving on to, it looks like our last, oh, no, we have a couple, two more from Twitter. So this one is from someone clearly from Packers Nation, at uh, PackerLove84. So there has been a ton of talk about the Packers drafting a first-round wide receiver for the first time since 2002. So looking at the Packers, do you think they actually go and pull the trigger on a receiver or maybe even you know a trade-up for someone like Justin Jefferson or sticking at 30 and drafting someone like Denzel Mims? Or, or do you think they go defense again if one of the middle linebackers fall or one of the top defensive tackles? How do, how do you see the Packers approaching the 30th overall pick? You know, it's tough, right? Because you look at, you know, the, the Packers and, you know, it's like, well, who who's our nemesis, right? And, you know, who, who kind of has our number? This was a really good team, despite, you know, maybe the lack of receiver weapons and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they've invested a lot of receivers, over, <clears throat> excuse me, over the last couple of years in the draft, they drafted, a, was it, a couple of years ago, they drafted uh, Jamal Moore, uh, St. Brown. And, and uh, Scantling. Uh, Van, uh, yeah, Scantling. Uh, uh, was Yeah, Mark was Valdez Scantling. Yeah, we just just yeah, go by MVS. It's, it's much easier that way. We've learned as yeah. Packer fans. Yeah. So they, you know, they 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 they've invested in the position. The guys just kind of didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a quarterback that's good like that, though. You know, you can kind of overcome that a little bit. I think what's a little bit harder to overcome is sometimes when just your defense, yeah, is really vulnerable. And I think as much as you know, all Packer fans want that 
that receiver to you know really be consistent uh, along alongside of Devonta Adams. I think they got to figure out a way. You know, hey, how are we going to beat the 49ers? How are we going to get over that hump? You know, yeah. because if you can't figure that out, it's going to be hard to even um, you know look at getting out out of the NFC. So I think you got to go defense, right? Because that's where you know the 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 49ers they've been able to do whatever, and that kind of put the offense in a hole. So I know a lot of people probably look at you know those games and the 49ers, de- you know defense. Oh, it dominated the the Packers offense, but really I think it starts with the 49ers doing whatever they want to do defensively. Yep. And putting the Packers offense in the in the bind and making it more one dimensional. And you know you look at those games, you see you know the running backs numbers go down compared to what you know he had done throughout the year. So I think it really starts on defense for the Packers and being able to bolster that up. And being able to match up and play against, you know, the teams like the 49ers, where they were just a little soft. You know, they got bullied yep. in those two games. No doubt. And they, they got to get over that part. So figure that out. Hey, what can we add to bolster up our defense and make our defense better? And then when you're now, when you're able to get stops, now your offense is able to play a little bit more freely. And then maybe, you know, you'd be able to get over that hump. So I, I think, I think, you know, if they do go receiver, I really like Jalen Rieger. Mm-hmm. At that 30 spot. I'm a big fan um, of Rager myself, yeah. Yeah, but I like Rager. But I think defensively is where they really need to kind of bolster up and get some toughness. Um, I like the edge rushers. They're terrific there. It might be in the middle, right? It might be that 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 middle in the middle linebacker type position or maybe a defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'm not too familiar with the offense, but just kind of looking at how the 49ers beat them. I mean defense, excuse me. Yeah. But just looking at how the 49ers beat them, they might have to get stronger in that middle. Um, at linebacker and at defensive tackle. Yeah, no, I'm I'm fully with you as a as a Packer fan. I've been looking at this, and of course, like you said, you know you always want to see that 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 sexy new weapon on the offense, and you get that great receiver in the first round, and the Packers never do it, and it'd be very exciting. But you look at the depth at receiver as opposed to the depth at middle linebacker, or maybe defensive tackle, and it's pretty clear that the Packers can get most likely a very good receiver in the second round. In the first round, in the second round, you're not getting an elite middle linebacker. So I think for the Packers, their number one priority in round one has to be either one of Patrick Queen or Kenneth Murray. If it involves trading up a bit, I think Brian Gutenkunz has shown over the last two seasons he's willing to do that. He's traded around in, in both of the first rounds that he's been the GM for the Packers. So I'm with you on that. First round, I really think they need to attack the middle of the defense and then they could do what they did a couple years ago and, you know, stack up on two or three receivers. And all you got to do is hope that one, you know, really hits. Look, they missed out a couple years ago on, on MVS and Brown and Jamon Moore. It's not over, but obviously it's not looking good. But I could see Gutenkunz attacking the middle of the defense in round one. And then between rounds two and six, maybe draft three receivers and, you know, hope one of them really sticks. That's what I think they could do. Right. Yep. I can see that. All right, so here's the final question of the day, Eric. And this one comes in from at Alicia Torsky on Twitter, looking at uh, the fantasy season from 2019. Which running back do you think is most likely to see some negative regression in 2020? Oh, negative regression. Let me think about that. I'm trying to. I'm going through like the divisions in my head right now. I mean, now. right now yeah, I, I could like Chris Carson, right? Because Carson had a big year mm-hmm. for Seattle. Yeah. Um, I know that they lost Penny, but 
I, I just feel like Carson is like, you know, is it consistent? Like with what he did last year, even though he got hurt. Yeah. Right. He got hurt towards the end of the year. So it, it probably didn't finish as strong as he would have liked. But is that going to be who he is consistently? And if if it is probably great for them. But if not, I could see that kind of drastically going back and them trying to figure out or doing more of a running back by committee type situation. So uh, Chris Carson, that's kind of the first guy that kind of comes to my head where it's like oh, I could see I could see a kind of a dip in his production. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree with that. I mean, I actually had written down for one of my own personal questions was, you know, what to make of that Seahawks backfield. Because like you said, Carson was good last year, but you know what? He's faced not only injuries last year, but he's faced injuries throughout his entire career. They went and, and traded up to draft Rashad Penny in the first round, which was a big surprise. And then his first two years of his career, he's basically played second fiddle to Carson. So I do think they're going to want to get more out of their second, out of their first round pick in uh, Rashad Penny, and like you said, I mean Carson relied so much on just pure rushing yards and touchdowns. He didn't make a big impact in the passing game, and that's kind of you know let's be real in fantasy nowadays. That's where it's at. It's all about PPR or half PPR running backs that could catch the ball, and I could see the Seahawks, like you said, going to more of that running back by approach. Give um, Carson the early down work let Penny come in for the late down work. And I, th- I think that could prove a dip in uh, Carson's production for 2020. Yeah, I can see that. Yep. So, Eric, we got through it. We got through all the fans' questions for this show. Thank you so much for coming on. And just before we go, I just wanted to, you know, give you, you know, a platform here. To, uh, any closing thoughts, whether it's about the draft, fantasy, or what's going on in the world right now, obviously, is is – is unprecedented. So any closing thoughts you'd like to finish the show with? Oh, no, nah, man. You know, um, it's going to be a wild, you know, draft. A lot of people I hear, that won't happen, or this <laughs> won't happen. And I've learned, like, when it comes to the draft, you don't know what's going to happen. So Anything I'm just excited can happen. For the draft and I think everybody, you know, buckle up. This It's probably going to be a wild uh, first round. Of course. I mean, look, even, even beyond the fact that we're, you know, going to be looking at potentially draft, you know, teams drafting from their living room, which is unprecedented, just – this year itself, there's there's so much questioning in the first round, how things are going to fall out. So I'm also obviously looking very much forward to the draft. And then, Eric, real, real quick, where can everyone find you on social media? Um, yeah, you guys can follow me at Eric underscore Crocker. Um, you know, I, tons of content. Obviously, you know, again, I'm a 49er fan. But, um, you know, I just cover, you know, players and, you know, I highlight different things from, you know, prospects and stuff like that. I also have another account that I run. It's called uh, at press cub film. Yeah, and I great just go page. over like a lot of wide receiver and defensive back content on that. Um, and I've had some cool, you know, I know you're a Packers fan. I've had a couple uh, Devonte Allen breakdowns. Huh, yeah, like I've that. seen those. I've seen those. Yeah, that that everyone listening should definitely go give Eric a follow on his personal page and his press on his coverage page. I mean, great content on both. Some of the you know just the breakdown wide receiver cornerback the battle that. Seems, you know, so arbitrary because it happens on every play, but each and every individual battle really is a mind game and a battle back and forth between two great players. And I love the way you're able to show that in your clips and your film. So I really appreciate all the great content you put out there on Twitter for us. Oh, man, thanks. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you having me on as well. No problem. It's my pleasure. And my closing thoughts to leave all of you AMA listeners with, We're closing out our very first show, and I appreciate everyone out there listening. 
Get ready for weekly episodes with some great content on Twitter and Facebook as well. Make sure to send in your questions for next week's show on Twitter at AMA Fantasy or email us at amafantasyfootball at gmail.com. Stay safe, everybody, and have a great day. We're out.